0: Long History Jacques Cartier Journey 2 Part 7 The Illness, the Autopsy and the Cure Welcome everyone to Long History. We're currently looking at Jacques Cartier's journey up the St. Lawrence River in the 1530s. This particular series is looking at Jacques Cartier's three journeys to this area. And this is the second journey. Jacques Cartier has been to the area known as Hochelaga, which is today's Montreal. And after being welcomed by the locals there and being treated almost like a god they've headed back down the river to another place called Stadacona, which is in the area of today's Quebec City. In the previous episode we were given a description of the area but in this episode we get back to the action and unfortunately things have gone very wrong since the last time Cartier visited this area. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that we've covered lots of these journeys of exploration on Long History now, including the English explorers, Sir Walter Raleigh and Sir Francis Drake. Here on Long History, we take the very source documents from history and serialise them so you can hear what happened from the horse's mouth or as near as possible. So if you like the sound of that, please do subscribe or follow Long History to be informed of when further episodes are released. Back to today's episode, Here we go, with Jack Cartier, Journey 2, Part 7, The Illness, The Autopsy, and The Cure. Of certain advertisements and notes given unto us by those countrymen, after our return from Ochelaga. Chapter 12 After our return from Ochelaga, we dealt, trafficked, and with great familiarity and love, were conversant with those that dwelt nearest unto our ships except that sometimes we had strife and contention with certain naughty people, full sore against the will of the others. We understood of Donna Connor and of others that the said river is called the River of Saganay, and goeth to Saganay, being somewhat more than a league farther west-northwest, and that, eight or nine days' journey beyond, it will bear but small boats. But the right and ready way to Saguenay is up that way to Ochelaga, and then into another that cometh from Saguenay, and then entereth into the foresaid river, and that there is yet one month sailing thither. Moreover, they told us and gave us to understand that there are people clad with cloth as we are, very honest and many inhabited towns, and that they have great store of gold and red copper and that about the land beyond the said first river to Ochelaga and Saguenay is an island environed round about with that and other rivers, and that beyond Saguenay the said river entereth into two or three great lakes, and that there is a sea of fresh water found. And as they have heard say of those of Saguenay, there was never man heard of that found out the end thereof. for as they told us, they themselves were never there. Moreover, they told us, that where we had left Oipinus when we went to Ochelaga, there is a river that goeth south-west, from whence there is a whole month sailing to go to a certain land, where there is neither ice nor snow seen, where the inhabitants do continually war one against another, where, There is great store of oranges, almonds, nuts and apples, with many other sorts of fruit, and that the men and women are clad with beast skins even as they. We asked them if there were any gold or red copper. They answered no. I take this place to be toward Florida, as far as I could perceive and understand by their signs and tokens of a strange and cruel disease that came to the people of Stadacona. Wherewith, because we did haunt their company, we were so infected that there died twenty-five of our company. Chapter 13 In the month of December, we understood that the pestilence was come among the people of Stadacona, in such sort that before we knew of it, according to their confession, there were dead above fifty. Whereupon we charged them neither to come near our fort, nor about our ships, or us. And albeit we had driven them from us, the said unknown sickness began to spread itself amongst us, after the strangest sort that ever was either heard of or seen. Insomuch as some did lose all their strength, and could not stand on their feet, then did their legs swell, their sinews shrink as black as any coal. Others also had their skin spotted with spots of blood of a purple colour. Then did it ascend up to their ankles, knees, thighs, shoulders and neck. Their mouth became stinking, their gums so rotten that all the flesh did fall off, even to the roots of the teeth which did also almost all fall out. With such infection did this sickness spread itself in our three ships, that about the middle of February, of a hundredth and ten persons that we were, there were not ten whole. So that one could not help the other, a most horrible and pitiful case, considering the place we were in, for so much as the people of the country would daily come before our fort, And saw but few of us. There were already eight dead, and more than fifty sick, and as we thought, past all hope of recovery. Our captain, seeing this our misery, and that the sickness was gone so far, ordained and commanded that everyone should devoutly prepare himself to prayer, and in remembrance of Christ, caused his image to be set upon a tree about a flight shot from the fort amidst the ice and snow giving all men to understand that on the Sunday following service should be said there, and that whosoever could go, sick or whole, should go thither in procession, singing the seven psalms of David, with other litanies, praying most heartily that it would please the said Lord our Christ to have compassion upon us. Service being done, and as well celebrated as we could, our captain there made a vow, that if it would please God to give him leave to return into France, he would go on pilgrimage to Our Lady of Roquemado. That day, Philip Rougemont, born in Amboise, died, being twenty-two years old. And because the sickness was to us unknown, our captain caused him to be ripped, to see if by any means possible we might know what it was and so seek means to save and preserve the rest of the company. He was found to have his heart white, but rotten, and more than a quart of red water about it. His liver was indifferent fair, but his lungs black and mortified. His blood was altogether shrunk about the heart, so that when he was opened, great quantity of rotten blood issued out from about his heart. His milt towards the back was somewhat perished, rough, as it had been rubbed against a stone. Moreover, because one of his thighs was very black without, it was opened, but within it was whole and sound. That done, as well as we could, he was buried. In such sort did the sickness continue and increase, that there were not above three sound men in the ship's and none was able to go under the hatches to draw drink for himself, nor for his fellows. Sometimes we were constrained to bury some of the dead under the snow, because we were not able to dig any graves for them, the ground was so hard frozen, and we so weak. Besides this, we did greatly fear that the people of the country would perceive our weakness and misery, which, to hide, our captain whom it pleased God always to keep in health, would go out with two or three of the company, some sick and some whole, whom, when he saw out of the fort, he would throw stones at them and chide them, feigning that as soon as he came again he would beat them, and then, with signs, show the people of the country that he caused all his men to work and labour in the ships, some in caulking them, some in beating of chalk, some in one thing and some in another, and that he would not have them come forth till their work was done. And to make his tale seem more true and likely, he would make all his men whole and sound, to make a great noise with knocking sticks, stones, hammers, and other things together, at which time we were so oppressed and grieved with that sickness that we had lost all hope ever to see France again if God of his infinite goodness and mercy had not with his pitiful eye looked upon us, and revealed a singular and excellent remedy against all diseases unto us, the best that ever was found upon earth, as hereafter shall follow. How long we stayed in the port of the Holy Cross amidst the ice and snow, and how many died of the said disease, from the beginning of it, to the midst of March. Chapter 14 From the midst of November until the midst of March we were kept in amidst the ice above two fathoms thick and snow above four foot high and more, higher than the sides of our ships, which lasted till that time in such sort that all our drinks were frozen in the vessels. And the ice through all the ships was above a handbreadth thick, as well above hatches as beneath, and so much of the river as was fresh, even to Ochelaga, was frozen, in which space there died five and twenty of our best and chiefest men, and all the rest were so sick that we thought they should never recover again, only three or four excepted. Then it pleased God to cast his pitiful eye upon us and send us the knowledge of remedy of our health and recovery, in such manner as in the next chapter shall be showed. How, by the grace of God, we had notice of a certain tree, whereby we all recovered our health, and the manner how to use it. Chapter 15 Our captain, considering our estate, and how that sickness was increased and hot amongst us, one day went forth of the fort, and walking upon the ice, he saw a troop of those countrymen coming from Stadacona, among which was Domagaya, who, not passing ten or twelve days afore, had been very sick with that disease, and had his knees swollen as big as a child of two years old. All his sinews shrunk together, his teeth spoiled, his gums rotten and stinking... Our captain, seeing him whole and sound, was thereat marvellous glad, hoping to understand and know of him how he had healed himself, to the end he might ease and help his men. So soon as they were come near him, he asked Domagaia how he had done to heal himself. He answered that he had taken the juice and sap of the leaves of a certain tree, and therewith had healed himself for it is a singular remedy against that disease. Then our captain asked of him if there were any to be had thereabout, desiring him to show him for to heal a servant of his, who, whilst he was in Canada with Donna Connor, was stricken with that disease. That he did, because he would not show the number of his sick men. Domagaya straight sent two women to fetch some of it, which brought ten or twelve branches of it, and therewithal showed the way how to use it, and that is thus, to take the bark and leaves of the said tree and boil them together, then to drink of the said decoction every other day, and to put the dregs of it upon his legs that is sick. Moreover, they told us that the virtue of that tree was to heal any other disease. The tree is in their language called Ameda or Haneda. It is thought to be the sassafras tree. Our captain presently caused some of that drink to be made for his men to drink of it, but there was none dearth taste of it except one or two who ventured the drinking of it only to taste and prove it. The other, seeing that, did the like and presently recovered their health and were delivered of that sickness, and what other disease soever, in such sort, that there were some had been diseased and troubled with the French pox four or five years, and with this drink were clean healed. After this medicine was found and proved to be true, there was such strife about it, who should be the first to take it, that they were ready to kill one another, so that a tree as big as any oak in France was spoiled and lopped bare, and occupied all in five or six days. And it wrought so well, that if all the physicians of Montpellier and Loire had been there with all the drugs of Alexandria, they would not have done so much in one year as that tree did in six days, for it did so prevail that as many as used of it by the grace of God, recovered their health. Here we have the tale of a sickness hitting the local community and also affecting the French on their boats. At the same time, there's an arduous winter to overcome. And one interesting detail when things like this happen, when things become particularly dire, is that suddenly these savages, with their crazy notions and beliefs, begin to be taken seriously and their cures are tried, and lo and behold, they work. And throughout this, it's interesting how defensive the French are, how keen they are to make sure that the local people don't realise how weak they've become. Overall, it's just showing how complex the relation is between these Europeans and the local people. If, in this episode, we see the benefits of cooperating with the local people, in the next episode, we see the opposite. That was the 11th episode of 15 in total about Jacques Cartier's journeys. Just four to go now. This particular journey will end in another two episodes and then there's a brief third journey. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and if you have, please do, as always, give it a like. If there's anyone you know who might be interested in this, please do share it with them. Your help would be much appreciated. Before I sign off, I'd just like to say thank you to you in particular for listening this was Jacques Cartier Journey 2.7. The Illness, the Autopsy and the Cure. Goodbye.